3: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here and happy Thursday.
4: I mean, Thursday. Did you No, it was Wednesday that you used to call the belly button of the week?
2: You know? Oh, I remember those days.
4: I mean, well, those days where we were in studio, just living our lives, never even realizing that there was going to be a, a global pandemic had it right for us.
2: Yeah, you're right. We were just rolling around, doing videos on the floor and Night, touching each other and eating food off the counter. You know, you're, those were the
4: days. Do you remember uh, the moment, and I don't know if we talked about this on air, but we were in a studio and we had uh, goats surprise oh, us. I do
3: remember and that. And
4: goats literally climbed on our backs. And mm. um, What a moment. We'll never have that happen again. But speaking of goats... <laughs> Oh, we're yeah. not talking about PETA today.
2: I thought we were talking about PETA today. That's uh, tomorrow, actually. Yeah,
4: my bad. Yep. Oops.
2: Wow, you just really ruined uh, that for the
4: listeners <laughs> My
2: bad. And coming up on today's show, though, uh, Puerto Rico's state of emergency that they just announced to combat violence against the transgender community. We've got Lambda Legal joining us for that. Plus, everything you need to know about this whole GameStop debacle can't even keep up there's new stuff popping up every hour so we've got you covered though but let's get into some what's trending this hour dr anthony fauci one of the governments as we know top public health experts said today that he actually does support reopening schools under the cdc guidelines amid the pandemic here he is on msnbc
3: the fact is that when you look at a community and look at the penetrance of the virus in the community and it's spread at the community level compared to the school in that community it's less
4: likely for a child to get infected in the school setting than if they were just in the community so for that reason understanding that this is not an easy issue and you've got to understand the concerns of teachers because they obviously have a concern an understandable concern putting all that together we need to try
1: and get the children back to school and that's the goal
2: So you heard it from him. It's going to happen, not like tomorrow, but hopefully at least this year. Now, General Motors... Uh, They've set a 2035 target date for phasing out gasoline and diesel-powered vehicles from its showrooms globally. And they're among the first major automakers to put a timeline on transitioning to a fully electric lineup. Many governments around the world from California to Japan and the UK have actually pledged to ban gas and diesel-powered cars by then as well. So we are heading there to an electric world. And that was what's trending this hour, what's happening in entertainment news, Ryan.
4: Okay, so Zendaya is responding to all of the backlash over the age gap in her new Netflix drama, Malcolm and Marie. It is time for your T Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So, Shira, have you seen the trailer for this film? Mm -mm. Well, it is honestly, it's really sexy. We're seeing Zendaya in a whole new light. It's a black and white film. Uh, Mm -hmm. Zendaya plays a 24 year old girlfriend of a 36 year old John David Washington. Now, while the trailer sparked a lot of Oscar buzz, it also left some fans feeling a certain way about the 12 year age difference between the leads. I mean, even I kind of felt a Relax. little bit of a way. I'm oh, not even gonna on. lie. I'm not even gonna lie. But speaking with E uh, Zendaya had this to say about the big age gap debate. I
5: played a 16 year old since I was 16. You have to remember also people grew up with me as a child. You know, so it is. It's like watching, I guess, your younger sibling. Now, you know, they're grown and you're like, you're not ready for it. So it's hard for people to wrap around the idea that I am grown in real life. You know, even though I do play uh, a teenager on
4: television still. So what do you think? Should this be a big discussion? Clearly, you have some thoughts.
2: No, I mean, I've dated someone 15 years older than me. It's not a big deal. Come on, give me a break. The people that probably, um, you know... Uh, prove this movie on Netflix of dated women younger
4: than that age yeah. gap. <laughs> Zendaya actually created all of this. She didn't write it, but she worked closely with the writer and director to actually make this happen. Her and mm-hmm. John David Washington both did. And I think what people were uncomfortable with was, I think, choosing a, this young actress to always be this, the lead or the love interest of a, a much older male um, can be a little intense because obviously I think people have like weird conversations when it comes to, in terms of like, Oh, well, who knows? if like, you know, there's, what am I trying to say? Wait, well, but I think it's because we
2: have this perception of Zendaya, as this like disney star also she's 24 well yeah she's we not do. like a baby anymore yeah. and then also uh i think they shot this in quarantine by the way this is the they movie did they shot shoot in quarantine. this in,
4: yeah they did shoot this in quarantine yeah i don't know i mean i do think it's a pretty big interesting conversation to have and i think we need to have it for sure but what do you all think let us know at lgt show everywhere on social media and of course i got more Tea report coming up next
2: Okay, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene's endorsement of conspiracy theories and violence has sparked calls for her resignation again. But will it make a difference this time? Well, The Washington Post joins us for that next. Let's go there with Shira
0: and Ryan, the new Channel Q.
2: Marjorie Taylor Greene openly supported and spread conspiracy theories for years, and guess what? She still got elected to Congress by a wide margin by her Northwest Georgia district. She's been in for a little over three weeks and is now being asked to resign after more reports are revealing her promotion of extreme violence and extremism overall. Here's Nancy Pelosi's thoughts on this today. What I'm concerned about is the Republican leadership in the House of Representatives who is willing to overlook, ignore... Uh, those uh, statements, uh, of her, assigning her to the education committee when she has mocked
4: the killing of little children at Sandy Hook Elementary School, when she has mocked the killing of teenagers in
2: high school at the Marjory Stone Douglas High School, what could they be thinking? Or is thinking too generous a word for what they might be doing? And joining us right now for more is Reese Thibault, who's a national reporter at the Washington post. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Hey, thank you for having me.
2: So uh, this is all pretty wild. Um, She's dismissed anything of, of these attempts, any of these attempts to cancel her. So what type of accountability is there then here for this in Congress? If she's just not going to resign or do anything about it, what's going to happen?
1: Well, it really is up to the Republican leadership in Congress. Um, you might remember when Representative Steve King uh, talking about his views on white nationalism, um, his party stepped up and stripped him of his committee assignments. And that's what uh, several Democrats are calling for in this case. Um, but we haven't heard a whole lot from Republicans, honestly. Um, a few of them have uh, you know, called the comments Disturbing, um, but they won't say or answer questions about whether she should be censured, whether she should be expelled from Congress or whether she should be stripped of her committees.
4: What I think about in moments like this, especially after dealing with four years of Trump, and it seemed like the media at towards the end, like MSNBC stopped playing a lot of his speeches because they knew it was just kind of lies and lies. How do we think we'll start seeing the media and what they've learned from dealing with the Trump era? How 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 will we see them kind of handle Majorie moving forward? Should we even be honestly talking about her? Like, should we be giving her this space?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I don't I don't know how my how my colleagues in the in the media are going to handle it. Um, you know, deplatforming is something that um, I think has gained a lot of currency lately, um, especially with the president losing his Twitter account. That's something that's happened to Green several times. Um, She's, you know, peddled uh, conspiracies about the election and had her Twitter account suspended a few times. And so uh, that is uh, one option here. Um, You know, I think one interesting part of the news cycle, this news cycle to me, is that none of this stuff is like being revealed for the first time. Like this is not, this is not leaked audio that people Mm -hmm. are hearing for the first time. Most of this stuff has been out there for a while. And there've been a lot of people who have called attention to it. Um, It's just now it's getting a lot more traction and um, you know, I, I, am not sure I can really explain that. I think it might have something to do with the siege on the Capitol. And uh, I think a lot of people are seeing the consequences of some of this violent political rhetoric, but that is, that is one, that is one interesting uh, feature here.
2: Yeah. Again, you're hearing uh, the voice of Reese Thibault, who's a national reporter at the Washington post, as we talk about uh, Marjorie Taylor green and the future of her in Congress. I mean, uh, while lots of Republicans haven't spoken out, house minority leader, Kevin McCarthy did say, according to Axios, that he plans to have a conversation with her, a conversation is that really enough right now? And is this going to continue to split like actions like hers and her past the Republican Party?
1: There are plenty of people who who will say that no, that's that's not enough. Um, look no further than uh, her fellow lawmakers, one of whom is introducing Representative Gomez introducing a um, a measure to expel her from Congress. Um, so. It 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 is a uh, it is a pattern that we've seen uh, Republican the Republican Party welcome uh, conspiratorial thinking and um, be slow to disavow it or uh, plain not do it.
4: Do you think Democrats are gaining anything from this? Uh, is this kind of going into their power of being like, oh, this might help us continue to, you know, win the seats and and stay in the ne- in the next two years, um, or is this really just kind of continuing the divisiveness that Joe Biden is really trying to stop, right, and trying mm-hmm. to heal the country?
1: It's yeah, it's it's hard to say. I I mean. There's no question it's continuing the divisiveness, whether Democrats gain anything from it. I, I don't know. There might be some cold political calculation that, um, you know, they can point to this extremist rhetoric and exemplifies a part of the Republican Party that, um, you know, needs to be uh, that needs to be banished. Um, but it, there's no question it, it continues the, the, the divisiveness. Absolutely.
2: Definitely. That was Reese Thiebaud, national reporter at The Washington Post. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Now, coming up, GameStop has been everywhere as stocks soared because of Reddit users. What you need to know about all this craziness next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. GameStop. This is finally it, we're talking about it It's been in the headlines, a stock soared because of Reddit users You might be confused with all these headlines So we're here to help break it down with Emily Stewart Who writes about the intersection of business, politics and the economy for Vox Thanks again for being here for this Thank you for having me Well, Let's get into it Because I think either people get what's happening or they don't get it So what exactly happened to get GameStop stock
6: booming like it is? So basically, this is being driven, at least initially, by traders on Reddit on a forum that's called Wall Street Bets. Um, it used to have about two million people. Last time I checked, it was at about three million. Um, so basically, they have all decided to pile into GameStop. So in terms of why, like the long and short of it is, last week this short seller named Citron Research kind of put out a statement about GameStop the, you know, the retailer, the game retailer, mm-hmm, like, saying that they thought the stock was going to go down. And they had kind of made a bet called a short sell that they would have made money if the if the stock was going to go down. And this, for whatever reason, took off on GameStop because people were, or, I'm sorry, took off on Reddit because people were talking about GameStop because people are nostalgic for GameStop. Like, nerds. Yeah.
4: yeah. <laughs> that's like, the, that's like and- a nerd's church, a holy place. You don't come for GameStop.
6: Right. And so they started to like pile into the stock. They started to buy stock options, like calls, which are basically just like riskier bets. And then they sort of orchestrated what's called a short squeeze, which is like kind of complicated to explain. But basically what happens is like, as they force the price to go up, they force these short sellers to also buy the stock. And so that like makes the stock go up even more. And so they really just like screwed over these hedge funds.
2: It was an orchestrated way to get the stock booming, so they can make money too,
6: right? Like they made money, and like I think the question now is like, obviously, I mean, I don't know. The stock closed at today. Like it was yesterday, it closed like three hundred fifty. I think today it's at like two hundred. So like you know, it's really volatile. Like the stock's been up and down. The New York Stock Exchange has stopped trading on it multiple times. But like, yeah, they drove the stock up, and then like other people started to pile in, like. I wasn't I mean, like, I don't know if you guys are on Wall Street bets or Reddit, but like I've had friends being like, wait, should I buy GameStop? Like literally yesterday couldn't (laughs) tell me like what the stock was.
4: Well, that's the (laughs) thing. Right. And I, I wonder, like with listeners tuning in right now and so many people I saw online, they were ready to like throw in their entire life savings to a moment like this. But should they be rethinking that?
6: Yeah, I mean, I think there are a couple of things that we have in mind here. Like one today, we did see Robinhood, which is an app where a lot of retail traders are investing, is that they did clamp down on GameStop and some other stocks that were taking off and basically kind of take away the ability to trade those stocks. Um, but I do think also it's important, like I can't give investing advice, right, but Of course, you shouldn't be playing with money that you can't afford to lose. Especially like GameStop, you know, a couple of weeks ago was trading at like $17. So it might like give it a think before you dump thousands of dollars into this stock. But when it's at like its peak. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah.
2: Again, again, we're talking to Emily Stewart from Vox. Let's get into that because a lot of people, including uh, you know, political leaders, are calling out Robin Hood. And there's now this class action lawsuit from traders because they've been blocked from buying GameStop stock. So kind of wordy there. Yeah. Um, you know, so w- what happens there? Can you explain that and why that is problematic?
6: I mean, it certainly feels unfair that you can also argue that you know, Robinhood, I don't know if you guys have ever been on the app, but it's really gamified. It makes it feel really fun to trade. And so Robinhood has really gotten a lot of people into trading in a way that's like gamified, like, you know, can feel like gambling. And so it does feel unfair that all of a sudden, like these people finally have an opportunity to make some money that they're like taking away that opportunity. I think at the same time, like I have not read through Robinhood's terms of service. Um, I, but I would guess that a lot of this was probably in there. Um, And it's a good reminder that like when you sign up for a service and you sign whatever, you know, like to get moving, like you should give it a read. Because if I had to guess, probably most of what Robin Hood is doing was like in the in the thing you've signed when you signed up.
4: So I guess what about other brands like, you know, AMC, Blackberry, Tootsie Rose? Really like should they could they, you know, see something happen to them like this?
6: Yeah, I mean, well, today it wasn't just um, GameStop that, that Robinhood said would, like, that needed to stop trading. And, like, they needed to stop trading, obviously, because, like, there's been this huge amount of frenzy around them. It's also, like, American Airlines they put a stop on, AMCs and movie theaters, Bed, Bath, and Beyond. Like, Tootsie Roll has also been, as you mentioned, taking off, which, like, who even knew that was a publicly traded company? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> this is so there weird. Is, like, it's very bizarre. I mean, there is a sense where, like, I do think... You talk to like the experts on this, like people in finance, like the people in Reddit really figured out a tactic, which is like, you can find heavily shorted stocks and try and run up the price and do this again. And you can replicate it. And they have not and they are trying. Is this you know, illegal? Like, it's allowed. It's like, I mean, people can like, you know, play on the stock market. It's fine. It's just like, you know, you have to know when you buy a stock, whether it's GameStop or Apple, like, it can go up and it can go down
2: okay well that was emily stewart wow uh who works for vox thank you again for being with us today thanks for having me this is a weird one yes fascinating (laughs) now coming up on the show people are buying urls of, of those they think would run for president in 2024 to make money we're gonna be telling you who's on that list and if it's ethical next let's go there with shira and ryan the new channel q There's a company that's buying websites of people they think would run for president in 2024 to make money. And they want you to jump on their bandwagon. Okay, this is not surprising, but just strange. Uh, This company is called Mischief, but spelled M-S-C-H-F, you know. That's cooler, and the other name was probably not available. The group is behind these really offbeat projects like Waltz Kitchen and Killing Brands on TikTok. They had this, I guess, forethought when they created in the year 2024. So they bought uh, a bunch of potential candidate domain names like electwest.com for Kanye West and Mike Pence, the number four America.com. And They're now, they're saying this, they're holding them for ransom.
4: This is such an interesting idea because people already do this. This isn't new. Um, Uh People do this for major celebrities and make ton, a ton of money. But what I think is very, very interesting about this is Um, according to kind of like the manifesto, they really talk about how politicians often just kind of run for their own self interest or a corporation's self interest while they're basically so bragging about being for the people. And this is a way where people can all come in and buy a share of these URLs and kind of get money and it's like basically recycling it back into people's pockets. So it's very kind of this Robin Hood effect, which I I think it's really interesting where you're, it's not just one person getting the money. It's multiple people getting it because oftentimes it is a lot of folks who, you know, probably wouldn't get the opportunity to do something like this or be able to experience the level of money that could possibly come from something like this. And I don't know. It's interesting to how it's kind of being recycled in a way. I don't know. Yeah.
2: Let's just say it's creative and yeah, it puts money back in the pockets of those that they represent. It says you want to run, you're going to try to market yourself to us. Well, pay us for that (laughs) role, right? So if you buy shares for a URL and basically this company sells it, as you mentioned, you'll get a cut of the profit. So it's going to be so valuable, according to them, that the campaigns will buy them in the future, and you having made this investment now will benefit, which totally uh, makes sense. I guess the big question is,
4: uh, is this ethical? Yeah, I mean... You, have you ever had anyone do that? Because, I, I mean, I haven't thought about doing a website, even though I want to do a website. But this idea of, like, someone, like, holding it, it, it it felt like for a celebrity, like, that's interesting and kind of weird. But even for politicians, I don't know. I'm really kind of into this. Like like I said, 2020, and um, like, radicalized me in a way where sometimes I'd be second-guessing about capitalism and all these things. <laughs> yeah. But it just, it, it makes you feel like, if people are doing something so interesting in this way and whoever has the resources to do all of this, are they really that struggling that much for them to be all about for the people? Like it just I have so many questions and I'm not really sure if I can even answer that. It does it feels good, but then also I'm side eyeing because if it was really for the people, not all of these people have the opportunity to even know how to do something like this or even know how to build a website like this. Like this Yeah, is these
2: folks uh, create viral campaigns, right? And then they get attention and then it probably leads them to doing marketing and making a lot of money. It's I'm so assuming. Weird. Right. So, uh, yeah, I think it can be unethical. Like it does suck if you're a regular person that doesn't have a lot of money and you're like, well, you might have a perception that your name is popular or you are quote unquote famous. Doesn't mean you actually have money. Right. Like people, uh, I thought someone took my URL I actually am having some issues with that. We don't need to get into that. Uh, <laughs> but, but like in the end, what like they would be like Shira, give us like a million dollars for your i I'd be like uh, laughing your face.
4: Like dude, what do you I'm think? nowhere. I'm not even worth like, it. That are you, think you I'm kidding? Like me? Bill Gates? Like, come on. All right. I mean, should what you so- be should you be flattered though? Like they think you have all kind that? Kind of. Although you're kind of making my life like really difficult right now. Yeah. Come yeah, on.
2: Give me sure. a break. Uh, All right. Let us know what you think. Add to LGT, show and social media, slide into our DMs. Coming up on the show, an L.A. staple for the drag and queer community in WeHo might close. More on that next. Let's go there with Shira
0: and Ryan. The new
2: Channel Q. Coming up on the show, Obama, White House veterans and hosts of Pod is a Woman are here to spill some tea, as you Pod would say, Right? Pod is a woman.
4: It, yes. rem- it reminds me of that Ariana Grande song. Um, and honestly, they're incredible. I-, I love these women and I like the podcast. And. Hopefully, we can uh, do a Let's Go There collab with them one That's day. what I'm
2: talking about. Yes, 2021 collab. Uh, plus, we're going to be talking more about the state of emergency declared in Puerto Rico and what is being done to save the women and transgender community there. Uh, Lambda Legal, again, will be joining us for that uh, right after this, actually. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Oh, the office of former President Donald J. Trump just released this picture uh, that is right now getting... Uh, going viral. I was going to say getting the rounds Uh, online on social media with GOP leader Kevin McCarthy. The two met in Florida to discuss, quote, many topics, number one of which was taking back the House in 2022. I mean, he said he would be back, right? Um, And this is per the former president's office. And here is Representative Adam Schiff on CNN reacting to this picture uh, of the House Minority Leader with Trump.
1: That photo you you showed of Kevin McCarthy and Donald Trump, Uh, you know, what what, what Kevin McCarthy is saying in that photo is, I don't stand for anything. I don't care about anything. I accept my own personal ambition. Uh, And if I have to embrace someone who just incited an an insurrection against the Capitol that resulted in multiple deaths, then I will do it.
2: Well, what do you think about this, Ryan, this picture of McCarthy with Trump that has been posted
4: I don't think anything about it because this is honestly what uh, the GOP is going to continue to do. It's they're not going to separate themselves from the crazy conspiracies. They're not going to separate themselves from white supremacy. They're just going to continue to do what they're doing. And if they love Donald Trump that much, I will not be shocked if they all flood over there once he starts this new political party.
2: Mm, all right. I thought twenty twenty one. This like the GameStop stuff was going to be the most like dramatic stuff thought we're back into like even keel mode, but we'll see. Now the World Health Organization is saying that it is currently not recommending that pregnant people receive COVID-19 vaccines unless they are at a high risk for contracting the virus. And this is largely due to a lack of data and studies on how pregnant people react to the vaccine. Now the CDC says the COVID-19 vaccine, like other mRNA vaccines, is unlikely to be a risk to pregnant people though. You now this is news coming out of LA. Really sad. Um, as LA continues to lose its many queer restaurants, bars, and nightlife spaces at an alarming rate because of the pandemic. One has announced one very prominent popular spot for the community in West Hollywood, Hamburger Marys. They're reaching out for help. Representatives for the bar said that the business won't be able to reopen this year without some much needed help. And so go help them out. They've started a GoFundMe with a goal of raising $200,000. I have some great memories uh, from being at Hamburger Mary's many nights. I've never been. uh, Seeing the drag show, playing bingo, having drinks. I've literally never been. I've always
4: wanted to go, but I've never been. Well, Hopefully uh, I get my chance. Raise some money, y'all.
2: Exactly. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening
4: in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so Catherine Heigl, a name that we have not talked about in a very long time, says being labeled difficult still pisses her off. It's time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. Now, while she was doing press for her new Netflix series, Firefly Lane, uh, she spoke about the talks about what she calls her shunning after a series of backlashes over various comments that she's made throughout her career and if you don't remember um, it was her later calling her 2007 film knocked up a little sexist or withdrawing herself from the 2008 Emmys race a year after winning hers uh, because she quote uh, did not feel that I was given the material this season to warrant any Emmy nomination end quote. So in a new Washington Post interview she says I may have said a couple of things you didn't like But then that escalated to she's ungrateful. Then that escalated to she's difficult. And then that escalated to she's unprofessional. Um, She continues on saying, what is your definition of difficult? Somebody with an opinion that you don't like. Now I'm uh, 42 and that crap pisses (laughs) me off. So if she would have said all of this now, would she have been treated differently?
2: I could totally see how people could be pissed off about this and call her ungrateful. Uh, At the same time, she does have a right to an opinion. And remember when Oprah pulled herself out of the Emmys, too, because she kept winning. (laughs) But I I could see with white privilege, um, which is a real thing, uh, it could be looked at as that, and she needs to recognize that.
4: Well, super quickly before we have to end, um, I I think... That she uh, honestly kind of deserved a little bit of the backlash because of the Emmy nomination thing thing, and then just the critiquing of Shonda Rhimes writing, um, which is disgusting, in my opinion, which I thought that scene was was great. Um, But then also, I, I think when it comes to calling out a film that's sexist. That honestly is a it's a combination of both and I think two truths can exist and I think that was a little bit of misogyny. Um Of course, so, is
2: that on her or is that on Judd Apatow who did that movie? Come on. Well, she was i just hired for a job. She
4: got cam- she got basically canceled because she spoke her mind and I think that's what she, is she's upset about. But I don't know, let us know what you think at LGT show everywhere on social media and of course uh keep us followed at um on weirdchannelq.com as well for all the stories.
2: Now coming up on the show, Puerto Rico has declared a state of emergency as murders of trans people have spiraled out of control. Land Legal joins us to share what's being done next. Let's go there
0: with Shira and Ryan. The new
2: Channel Q. The governor of Puerto Rico has declared a state of emergency to combat violence committed against the transgender community. Governor Pedro Pierre Luisi signed an executive order Sunday in response to the surge in violent killings of transgender people in the U S territory. This is just so tragic, but we're happy. Something's being done. Uh, we want to know more about what's happening. And so we're very excited. Uh, to have Omar Gonzalez Pagan joining us, who's an attorney at Lambda Legal, who's actually from Puerto Rico right now. Thanks for being here.
3: Thanks for having me and thank you for um, helping discuss this very important topic.
2: Yeah, this is devastating. We obviously know uh, that trans women of color are being murdered all the time. We cover it unfortunately on our show, but what exactly is going on in Puerto Rico and why has it gotten so bad?
3: So let me uh, just take a step back. In fact, the executive order is actually to address gender-based violence and the crisis of gender-based violence in the island. It it goes beyond, actually, the targeting of just trans women. It actually is to address domestic violence, to address the increase in femicide that has been seen in the island. In fact, there has been, just from 2019 to 2020, over a 50% increase in the amount of deaths of women um, as a result of violence, uh, where domestic violence or people that they knew. And we have seen also an increase over the last few years of trans women specifically being targeted for hate crimes and being targeted for um, not just violence, but but also murders. And it has been a, a truly devastating crisis that advocates have been calling for a declaration of emergency for over two years and then the new governor issued this executive order that not only declares this emergency it is lgbtq inclusive because it defines gender-based violence based on the failure to conform to gender stereotypes uh and it but it also creates mechanisms like uh to give it teeth so whether it is to do training of police officers and other uh public officials whether it is to create easier ways for people to report gender-based violence. um, All of that is encompassed by the order. So we think it's an important first step to address this epidemic. It is something in the right direction, but certainly there's much more to be done.
4: I mean, you touched on so much that I feel Mm -hmm. like um, it's so important uh, that – To one, it's mind-boggling to know that this, it had to get to a certain point for them to just now kind of do this order. But talk to us a little bit more about the Committee for the Prevention, Support, and Rescue and Education of Gender Violence and how that specifically is going to help a lot of, you know, queer and trans folks um, not have to deal with this, you know, and providing services to help them get help.
3: Absolutely. So this committee... Uh, that has been created. It actually supplants an ex- another committee that was created in October to address violence against women aiding it a- is made up of officials from multiple state agencies to create coordination. Um, And it also involves community representation from at least three community activists being on the committee. The committee will be in charge to not just identify um, and propose legislation that needs to be enacted, but also provide training uh, for all of these various agencies. And specifically one of the things that has been touched on is uh, what we call Uh, gender perspective education in schools and that has been a big uh, controversy in the island for over now four years. Um, uh, Going back to 2016 there was the passage of the curriculum that was to be gender inclusive and inclusive of LGBTQ people and I think that's where it starts really it's about education and making sure that we prepare young people to understand that we live in a plural pluralistic, diverse society where we need to be respectful of one another. Um, And that is one of the things that even the governor in announcing this executive order specifically when addressing uh, whether it covers trans people said, yes, trans people are covered and that we will be working with the department of education to foster that gender perspective in schools.
2: Oh, again, we're talking to Omar Gonzalez Pagan from Mm -hmm. Lambda Legal. I guess, are we going to see more action like this from Other states and the rest of the country moving forward.
3: One hopes so. Uh, Really, this uh, is—we've seen other other states that have adopted LGBTQ inclusive curriculums. Of course, yeah. uh, As an example, but really, what we need to see is uh, intentional action to address the epidemic of violence against people of color, against trans uh, women of color in particular, against uh, individuals who are disproportionately affected and targeted because of who they are uh, through violence and crime. And um, this is the declaration of emergency that was very needed and in specific to the island of Puerto Rico By the, that was sought by the people of Puerto Rico because it was truly alarming to hear the race of violence, uh, both uh, domestic violence, but also hate crimes against trans women that were occurring on the island.
2: Do you think this has to do, by the way, just as we wrap up with the pandemic specifically? Or this is obviously an issue for a long time.
3: This has been an issue for a long time. And definitely the pandemic has, has exacerbated some of those issues. But, but it has been a long time coming. And we're grateful that we got here.
2: All right. Well, that was Amar Gonzalez-Pagan, an attorney at Lambda Legal. And he's also from Puerto Rico. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Coming up on the show, co-hosts of Pod is a Woman are joining us to spill the tea on working with the Obama administration and what they learned from the first lady. That's next.
0: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. The new Channel Q.
2: Pod is a Woman is a weekly podcast hosted by three Obama-Biden White House veterans, Alejandra Campo Verdi, Johanna Masca, and Darian Page. They basically use their different backgrounds and unique points of view to discuss news of the day and provide a behind-the-scenes look at the inner workings of our government, the drama, with special mm-hmm. guests. And actually, two of the ladies are joining us right now, Alejandra and
5: Johanna. Thanks so much for being here. We are so excited to join you guys. We love what you're doing, and we're really excited to lift up the voices of every American so that we can actually create the world as it should be.
4: And let me tell you, y'all are literally the actual definition of my faves, the nasty women out there. Like, y'all are power women, right? And I think that's, it's so important to see what you're doing in the podcast that you're creating. Yeah, it's great. And
2: uh-huh. I want to be clear about the voices, if Alejandro want to speak, and then Johanna, yeah. just so we're clear. <laughs>
7: Absolutely. This is Alejandra. You know, we, as Johanna alluded to, we came from very different backgrounds. You know, we weren't these political beasts that had been working in politics for many years. We were inspired by President Obama and got into the 08 campaign. And so we really wanted to bring the experience that we had had in the White House for the first term and to talk about this as it relates to our current political reality. Because to your point, now you're saying the drama It didn't used to be as exciting as it is right now to talk about the White House every day. (laughs) It's like the
2: uh, what's it called? The Housewives uh, shows on Bravo.
4: No, I mean, the most uh, scandalous thing was Obama wearing a tan suit. Remember that?
5: (laughs) I remember that well. And, you know, it was I think that's what for me, I um, was director of press advance. So I got to set the stage for President Obama's, um, you know, images that in 42 countries around the U.S., And I um, saw sometimes like there wasn't like there a lot of people had all these hopes. They pinned on President Obama and wanted him to to be the change. But the truth is, actually, all of us have that responsibility. And so, you know, all of us have now seen this very much up close and in person. And we know what it's going to take to get over the edge. And I've seen the disinformation even affect my family. I have Trump supporters in my family and so we wanted to have a very different conversation with people who weren't political animals but like about our lives and how politics affects that and how we actually have a role in shaping our future
2: yeah and i wanted to ask how the podcast evolved from the trump administration era to now that biden is in office the
7: interesting thing is that we never took the tack of really being these um these kind of resistant voices, in the sense we wanted to try to have the kind of conversation that we felt that was missing in the space that we as women wanted to have, that was nuanced, that was broader, and that was really focused on what is the action we can take? Like, how is it that we move ourselves forward? And so ironically, even though obviously the players have very much changed, the tone of our conversation has stayed the same because that's how we want to chart the path forward. I will say our capacity to get high-level administration officials on our podcast has dramatically increased because we know all these <laughs> people very <laughs> intimately. That's well, I, awesome.
5: I think we, you know, we've always tried to bring oxygen to the people who are deserved. Like, I believe, I had my son, in the administration. And look, like I want my son to be inspired. I want all of our children to be inspired at, you know, a world in which our diversity is our superpower, that we are bringing human capital to the table in a way in which we're using technology to really change the destiny of people around the earth. And I believe that that is possible. And so we don't spend a lot of time on talking about, you know, Donald Trump, because the truth is, more people didn't vote in this election than voted for Donald Trump. And many of those who voted for the Republicans, I know them, they held their nose doing it. So okay. we want to engage new audiences and really drive the conversation forward about our lives and not the intricacies of the infighting that's just the toxic masculinity that's always been so extraordinarily in, you know, ineffective in Washington. Yeah,
2: and we have enough podcasts for that. Um, again, we're talking to Johanna Masca and Alejandra Campo Verde, veterans of the Obama White House, and Coast of Pod Is a Woman. Just love the name of that. Also, is. Well, it's well. so
4: good. It's so, so good. good. And you know, when I think about, you know, how you all are trying to basically just touch on everything and have these uncomfortable conversations, Alejandra, how are y'all talking about intersectionality? How are we really because it's it's good to want to, to acknowledge the things that are happening, but it's also important to have those things that make us uncomfortable so we can move past and move forward, right? Absolutely. Uh, so how are you all touching on intersectionality in your podcast?
7: Well, we're speaking very authentically from our own experiences, because the three of us, you know, kind of embody an intersection ourselves. You know, I'm a Latina from Los Angeles who was raised by an immigrant single mother on welfare times. You know, my experience was very different from Johanna's Midwestern experience and Darian's experience as a Navy veteran in Chicago. And so we bring all of ourselves to the table. What we also, you know, when we were at the Obama White House, that was a big piece of our conversation as administration officials. My job was deputy director of Hispanic media, and the role was to make sure that all constituencies, all people, all languages were represented at the highest level. And so we don't take that lightly. And that's part of our show every single week. That's awesome. I want to ask you about what it was like having Dr.
2: Jill Biden on the show and how she's a different first lady than the previous administration. So we're going to get into that right after this. Let's go there with With Shira
0: and Ryan. The new Channel Q.
2: We are back with veterans of the Obama White House and co-hosts of Pod is a Woman. Check it out now. Johanna Masca and Alejandra Campo Verdi. Welcome back. And we got to dive right in because you've had amazing guests on the show. I need to look at this list because I was like blown away. Where is it? Okay, there it is. Natalie Portman, Eva Longoria, uh, Tina Chen from Time's Up. And, of course, Dr. Jill Biden, which, for me, I'm the most intrigued by Dr. Jill Biden. Dr.
4: Flautis!
2: Yes, and you've obviously worked with her also previously. What was it like having her on the show, and
5: how will she be a different first lady? You know, we specifically asked for her. We didn't ask for joe biden we know him we've worked with him very very closely we've gone to their picnics in which he you know takes the water gun and goes around and shoots all the little kids with a water gun like but we know that dr biden has this incredible perspective that we wanted to share before everyone else knew that she's so spectacular you know she's been working on these issues she was a working And look, I believe all women work. Like when you're raising children, you are busy working. She, as the, um, you know, second lady, she kept teaching. And so she broke barriers that I think a lot of people didn't give her enough credit for. So we got to kind of talk about that, talk about some of the heartfelt moments that she's um, talked about throughout the administration, the, the previous administration, and what she wanted to continue working with military vet- veterans, you know, the people who are actually serving our country's, interests and not the narcissists presidents who say they are
4: <laughs> yeah and i think the one thing that i keep thinking about now that joe biden and our, you know my vp kamala harris is in office i think about the re- the relaxation that a lot of people felt after obama was in office right they felt like oh racism is over there's no need to worry anymore we're all good but how do we continue to make sure people are politically engaged also moving forward
7: Well, that's the thing that you know we talked about that actually in this past episode on the podcast which is we can't get into a feeling of complacency now because the power has shifted in washington i think you're seeing so many firsts come into the scene you know all across the cabinet obviously our wonderful vp and so that's really heartening right to see that we have people that really represent us at every level of government But that's not enough. And you're already seeing that when we're looking at Congress, a lot of especially Republicans are stepping back from how harsh their their um, condemnation was of the insurrection a few weeks ago already. And so you see that if you know you just let business go back to usual, that things will go back to how they were. And we cannot let the pressure up anymore on Congress. And I think that no matter what side you're on, you know, this has been a big wake up call.
5: Well, and I also saw this like firsthand. Right. We we went in the administration. I remember there was something published on Drudge Report at the time. And, you know, while Americans thought, oh, we're in this post-racial era, which is totally like naive, especially when we see the Tea Party, like having nooses out on the lawns, I was getting like massively like these racist emails like inundated and I like am of the firm belief I saw the best of America with President Obama the majority of people are not racist they are not terrible people but that exists and we have to call it out we have to like talk about how you know we actually do thrive together and um and I think that you know too many people I saw turn against President Obama very quickly like before our midterms we saw celebrities who had been super supportive. Oh, yeah, you know, he's going to get in and he's going to change the world. And then he didn't do enough. And they're like, he didn't do enough. And it's like, what what are you doing? What is your role? How can we all take part? Because the truth is our local governments have a huge stake in this. Our state governments have a huge role. All of us have a role. And that's the the role we want to do is open up that you know window. How can we engage in these tough conversations in our communities and truly change the world?
2: Well, there you go. Great way to wrap this up. Some good Thursday positive vibes. Johanna Masca, Alejandra Campo Verde, thanks so much for being here. We appreciate it.
7: Thank you for having us. We had a blast.
2: Yeah. Again, check out their podcast. Pod is a woman right now. Coming up on the show, South Dakota Republicans have revived an anti-trans birth certificate bill. More details next on what's trending this hour. Let's go there with with Shira
0: and Ryan. The new Channel Q.
2: Coming up on the show, if your friends get vaccinated, can you just go back to hanging out with them like the good old times? Uh, Plus, we're breaking down everything you need to know about this GameStop Reddit Robinhood drama. Or was it possibly a brilliant move for some of these uh, stock traders? Uh, that is coming up in a bit later this hour. But first, let's get into some what's turning this hour. David Hogg was on CNN to talk about that video that has gone viral of Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene stalking and harassing him in 2019. Now, again, he is a survivor of the Stoneman Douglas High School shooting in 2018.
4: Oh, absolutely.
1: But, you know, what I would say to myself all of a is a You know, if they shoot me, they prove my point. And the reality is they can't kill a movement because uh, the reality uh, with that as well, you know, it's funny when they say that we're paid off and stuff, and I can tell you that there's no amount of money that you could ever pay any of us to do this work because that's not why we do it. None of us want to be doing this, but we have to because sadly corrupt elected officials like Marjorie Taylor Greene are in Congress and would rather choose to protect guns uh, than children.
2: Some powerful words right there. Now, on Wednesday evening, the city of Austin, Texas, voted to spend nearly seven million dollars to purchase a local hotel, which it intends to transform into a permanent transitional home for city residents experiencing homelessness. The initiative will be funded in part from money cut from Austin's police budget this past August. And so a lot of people are applauding Austin on that. It's exactly what defund the police is all about, many are saying. Uh, per the appeal, a $6.5 million fund has been set aside from money formerly earmarked to for the city's police budget. And that fund will be tapped to help provide services for residents who moved into the refurbished hotels. So a really interesting way of doing this, and we're seeing an example of that in Austin right now. Now, uh, South Dakota Republicans have revived a proposed law that targets trans individuals by making it illegal for people to change the sex designation on their birth certificates. The proposed law was brought back to a vote in South Dakota's House of Representatives after it was actually rejected previously by committee. Uh, But then Representative Fred Deutsch, a Republican from Watertown, said that he heard from fellow Republicans that they wanted to debate and vote on the bill in front of the whole House. So uh, he brought it back again. And as the new legislative sessions begin this year, at least 14 states have laws that target the rights of LGBTQ plus Americans, with many of them, like South Dakotas, aiming specifically at trans youth. And finally, for anyone who's uh, eaten Subway tuna, and I was actually one of those people, I feel bad admitting it, way back before I was uh, a vegan vegetarian, I was obsessed with the tuna there. Well, they are facing yet another lawsuit over its ingredients, one that alleges that the tuna salad used in its sandwiches and wraps doesn't contain actual tuna. So you might not want to eat the tuna there. That's all I got to say. Too
4: late. You already did. It's already inside of the you. future it's, no, I mean, it's out at this point. I mean, I doubt <laughs> it. You know, some things take longer to digest. And uh, that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in Entertainment News, Ryan? The final trailer for the final season of Keeping Up with the Kardashians has dropped, and we are about to get into it. It is time for your tea report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So, looks like we won't be keeping up much longer. Uh, Kim Kardashian posted a trailer Today for the final season Of Keeping Up The Kardashians Season 20 of the long running E-reality show which will premiere On March 18th Here is the last clip And teaser and trailer we'll ever see Filming has been One of the best experiences of my life We
5: didn't think anyone Would be into watching a show About our crazy family
6: we just wanted to tell you in person that we won't be going forward with filming the show anymore.
4: So, this season looks like it's going to be one sad season. Uh, Chloe is also trying to have another baby with her cheating baby daddy. And Chris is wondering if they've made the right decisions because she started calculating her bills. Um, so, do you have any favorite Keeping Up With Kardashian moments, Shira? No? Uh, Maybe. I guess,
2: um, no.
4: All right. I don't know. I used to
2: watch it. Wait, I used to catch up on the show only on flights. Otherwise, I didn't really watch it consistently. Yeah. But it was easy to binge watch. I think like all the um, the crazy vacations they would go on. Like you just Mm. be like, what the? And then also just like the drama between the sisters and crying. And then like, like I always think it's funny to watch people on reality TV cry and they have so much Botox and they you don't see any wrinkles. (sighs) (laughs)
4: Well, Kim (laughs) has the worst crying face. So she, the amount of fillers doesn't, you know, stop her from having an ugly cry face. I mean, my favorite, I mean, not favorite memory, but I think the one memory that really shifted everything and also even changed Kim possibly for the better was that moment that she ended up getting robbed and she almost thought she was dying oh yeah, like, that was a really that, a, that was a really really intense moment and so uh let us know on social what your favorite moments were at lgt show and of course find out more about any of the stories that i have covered today at we are channel who's gonna take the kardashian spot on
2: reality tv like who's the next big reality star i don't
4: I don't think people want families like that anymore unless there's some people that people are connected to. I mean, I know the uh, 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 what's those Amelia D'Amelians. and millions, Yeah, I, yeah. Yep. I know they're they're working on something, but I don't think people are going to gravitate to them like that. I really don't.
2: It was a moment in time. Yeah. Uh, now coming up on the show, once you and your friends are vaccinated, can you quit social distancing? We'll be back with those answers next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. The new Channel Q. We're wrapping up the show as we always do with our yes queen of the day. Yes, queen. A student at the College of Southern Idaho in Twin Falls had an epic response to a professor who refused to use their proper pronouns. Shade, who identifies with the pronouns they, them, shared the email response, which they read aloud on TikTok, and that went viral.
5: I'm sorry, I think there was a misunderstanding here. You seem to think I'm making some kind of a request. I was just informing you of my correct name and pronouns so you know how to refer to me. Intentionally misgendering a student is actively creating a hostile learning environment and discriminating on the basis of gender identity. That goes against the school's non-discrimination statement. I know you wouldn't want to do that. I'm sure you understand that I expect to be treated with at least basic levels of respect and human decency in the classroom. I look forward to meeting you in class next week and working with you through the semester. Regards. Shade. They them. That should get the message across, right?
2: Now, the professor said she'd use the name Shade, but not their pronouns, as you heard, because that violated her convictions.
4: You know what's so annoying? Teachers thinking that their opinions and their own audiologies actually matter in places where they need to do their job. I'm sorry. It doesn't, especially when it comes to just accepting someone for their human decency and their humanity. Stop arguing about folks' humanity with them. Like, I loved how Shade also was like, oh, you thought this was a request? No, I'm telling you, this is (laughs) what I want you to do.
2: And I think it was smart of Shade to email all the teachers at the beginning of the semester saying, this is what I want and this is who I am. And the fact that this was the one teacher that came back, I mean, one... It's good that all the other teachers were great about it, but even just one can create um, a lot of issues for someone, right? And also make someone feel not accepted and like they can't be who they are. Right. And so I I, and what Shade said, you know, to local news, because, of course, this went viral. They said it's been crazy. My phone has calmed down a bit now. But the first few days it was nonstop notifications. They said the professor never responded to the email or video. Uh, And actually, they said, and this kind of goes back to what I was saying, I'm less concerned with what happens between this individual teacher and myself, more concerned with what happens school wide. Because guess what? Like if this teacher is doing this to them who knows what else this teacher is doing and it just sets a precedent and also just imagine the message you know um shade is sending to all you know schools and educators and also students to really make sure we're stepping up together
4: I completely agree and I think um the fact that Shade has such uh, self-awareness and also confidence as a a, a person who is uh, secure in their identity they're they're standing up for the future of people like mm-hmm. the future of the students coming afterwards and I love the point that they made about um you know School can sometimes be a getaway for trans folks who that's the only place that they can feel wanted, respected, seen, and actually be gendered correctly. So um yeah, I'm hoping that this teacher either gets with the program or loses their job because I'm sorry. These folks, these people who want to move in their own ideologies are taking up space and it is not fair. Stop fighting with people when it comes to their humanity. It's so simple. Yeah.
2: Don't question who someone is. Exactly. And Shade gets our Yes Queen of the Day.
4: Yes,
2: Queen. Yes. And if you want to nominate someone for our Yes Queen of the Day, slide into our DMs at LGT Show. We love to hear from you. Now coming up on tomorrow's show, how one major city is defunding the police to house the homeless. Uh, This is actually pretty amazing what they're doing. We're going to tell you more tomorrow. Plus, why vegans everywhere are rethinking their support of PETA. I mean, this has been a long time coming, but PETA definitely uh the not help themselves with this latest kerfuffle. Just saying. Uh, that is on Tomorrow's Show, live right here on Channel Key, 4 to 7 p.m. Pacific, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. And remember, we post everything as a podcast. So if you miss any of our shows or interviews, just go to the Radio.com app and search Let's Go There. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. See you tomorrow. Have a great night. And now stay tuned for Loveland with Dr. Chris right after this. Yes, yes. Bye, y'all.